Welcome to the Illinois Soy Podcast. Enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with Jason Carr, host of the podcast Focus on Agriculture and one of our 2019 CCA Soy Envoys. Jason is a technology development representative with Bear Crop Science, and he leads agronomic research projects with soybeans and corn focused on creating solutions for growers. Based in central Illinois, he holds both a bachelor's and a master's degree from the University of Illinois. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Jill. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. Well, we're excited to talk to you as well especially as we uh, start to cover this tough topic, the 2019 growing season. <laughs> what a roller coaster of a year it's been for growers with lots of challenges early in the season. Today, we are diving into some of those decisions made at the beginning of the season and how that has affected the rest of the year. So Jason, how about you kick us off by giving a recap of what you have seen this season, specifically at planting time, and how some of those decisions could have impacted soybean yield potential now. Yeah. Um, so this year, obviously, as we all know, was very challenging. The spring drug on and drug on, and then it rained some more. Um, <laughs> yeah. There were a few things that got planted early on, but for the most part, we know that there was a whole lot of planting in June and, and a lot of fields that didn't even get planted. So there were obviously a lot of decisions that were impactful, just like their eyes are, but this year was a little bit of a different situation. Uh, variety selection was big this year. Um, if we didn't select varieties that had some good disease resistances, for instance, um, with the cool, wet spring, we're starting now to see a lot of SDS showing up in the fields, for an example. Mm -hmm. And the... Um, you know, obviously choosing SDS resistant varieties uh, is paying off at this time. Another thing that we've noticed uh, based on some of our research here is seed treatments. Um, seed treatment decisions were big this year, uh, going with uh, untreated seed. If it got in the ground fairly early was obviously a big negative this year. We actually have a fairly uh, comprehensive trial here at our site in Woodford County where we have planted five different seed treatments along with untreated beans at six different planting dates. So we started that on April 9th and we basically got it in every two weeks up until June uh, 13th. Wow. So we have, we're going to collect a lot of data from that. Yeah, we're really excited about it. And obviously we won't, we don't know the final uh, result until we run the combine, but the um, we had some drone imagery that we took and just of the, of our entire site. And the very first thing I could see I could just pick out the six row strips where the untreated beans where they got planted early. And we knew, we knew that they were bad, but there was a lot of bare ground there, um, which is obviously a bad situation for multiple reasons. Um, but we, um, like I said, we're really looking forward to, to getting the data on that and seeing uh, the yield impact. Um, another big decision this year for guys was um, weed control platform or just weed control in general. And a lot of times the, situa the, the weather situation prohibited us from getting into the field. And, uh, you know, a lot of beans got planted without a pre-plant herbicide. And, you know, we kind of got behind the eight ball in the weeds this year. There's a lot of weedy fields out there. Um, and the weeds were definitely a challenge. And another big thing that we'll, we will see the payoff at harvest again um, is the 
decision whether or not to apply fungicide or insecticide on the crop. Yeah. So what are some of those different strategies that you saw growers utilizing um, this year to help overcome those challenges early? Yeah. um, uh, One big decision that a lot of people had to make was um, population. You know, as we got later, the recommendation is always to increase population just a little bit as we get later in the year to try to get canopy sooner and and help with weed control help get the maximum yield potential out of the field Um, you know in general most growers are probably still planting a few more beans than they actually need to so Mm -hmm. um, maybe they didn't even need to recommend their actual planned population to get the maximum yield with the later planting dates but just in general we always want to go a little bit higher in that situation um, I mentioned before the seed treatments that obviously I think we're going to see has paid big dividends this year. Some of the um, higher end seed treatments are, you know, maybe spending a little bit more on seed treatment is probably going to go a long way this year. Um, I mentioned weed weed control. Um, most of those, most fields look pretty good, but there's fields here and there that didn't have good weed control. And those fields are probably going to be a struggle for quite a few years down the road with a pretty hefty seed bank that we're building up there. Yeah. Let's dive into that weed control more. Uh, what, what was so different this year versus past years? So, yeah, as I mentioned, um, the late planning and the, and the kind of crunch that we ran into where everybody didn't necessarily have time to get all the field work done that they would have Mm -hmm. liked to get done as far as pre-plant herbicide applications and things like that. And we kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're coming from a, a place of, of being behind all year long. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, we got partial control of the weeds because we were spraying the weeds that were too big or um, using herbicides that maybe didn't have as good of efficacy as we would have liked them to have. And there's a lot of situations there. Um, one thing that we're really starting to recommend is that growers would start clean and stay clean so it's kind of a different mindset we're kind of we're you know the days are gone uh, the roundup days where we used to let weeds get as big as possible and let them all get out of the ground before we'd spray them and we'd come in and we'd get real good control Um, there's just too much resistance out there there's there's we're just living in a different world so you know we're really recommending now that growers use a good uh, pre-plant residual herbicide and then come back soon after planting like within even two weeks after planting and overlap those residuals with another good residual Um, if there are any weeds that have come out of the ground we would use a contact or systemic on those but really the strategy that we would like to see growers adopt is to stop weeds from coming out of the ground at all Uh, the easiest way to control a weed is to stop it before it comes out of the ground so that's kind of a mindset shift that would be you know take it's going to take some time to to get that message out there but we believe that it would be beneficial to growers to start thinking in those terms for sure for sure may also be beneficial to reducing the wheat seed bank potentially so now i want to move on to another topic we are quickly approaching october which means harvest time Um, So how should farmers be evaluating the soybeans that are out in their field right now? And um, after that evaluation, what 
how might their decisions for harvest be changed or affected? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, I think that my recommendation, um, you know, I'm a soybean guy and I like soybeans. I've been working in soybeans for a long time. Now I work with corn and soybeans. Um, I think this year the beans are in actually pretty good shape as far as uh, harvestability. A lot of the beans got planted later, so they didn't get quite as tall as they are some years. They're not as lodgy as they are some years. Um, the corn is another story. I think the corn, we are going to see some standability issues. We have a lot of crown rots and we have physoderma out there in the cornfield, which the, the plants will actually just snap off. And so I think um, my recommendation is actually probably to, to harvest the corn first in a lot of cases and monitor the beans. And if the, if the you know, we start seeing something come up that would, would lead us to want to harvest the beans quicker, we would obviously make that decision. Um, some things that would, we'd want to evaluate are the uh, presence of pod feeding insects. So if we're seeing some insect damage on the pods, if we're seeing seed borne diseases and things like that coming into the pods due to that feeding, where we're going to see a reduction in seed quality or even some beans rotting in the pods. We obviously want to get those things out of the ground. We don't want to let that happen. But um, yeah, in a lot of cases, I think the bean, the bean fields are probably um, in better shape than some of the corn fields that we have out there. Yeah. There's one thing we learned this year, I think, with this growing season. It was how resilient the beans are, really are. So I know this year was really unusual. Is there any anything that farmers can learn from the data points, from the information gathered this year? Is there anything they can learn that they can apply to the 2020 crop? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And um, I definitely would caution growers to not use 2019 too heavily in their decisions for next year. I mean, I, I know for myself, we kind of start to think that whatever is happening right now is just going to be, you know, continue to happen for the rest of time. You know, in the summer, it doesn't rain for a couple of weeks. And we start to think, <laughs> oh, it's never going to rain again. Is it ever going to rain again? And, you know, it's hot and we think it's never going to be cool again. And winter comes and we think it's never going to warm up. Um, but, you know, we all know that that's not really how it is. We just kind of live in the moment. Uh, so 2019 was a tough year in so many ways, and it's going to continue to be tough through harvest probably. But we probably want to view 2019 as more of an anomaly than something that we want to make a lot of decisions based on. Um, one one caveat to that, or one thing I would say that I, I think we're really learning this year um, that, well, two things, I guess. One is, I, I've referenced both of them already. One is the seed treatment piece. Um, there's a lot of options out there for seed treatment and there are a lot of choices and they protect for a lot of different things. And, and this year, I think we're learning quite a bit about the seed treatments. If we have some trials where we're looking at different seed treatments, if you're, if you're, um, your dealers, your seedsmen have some of that data, that would be good data to look at university data and really make some decisions on what is really helping us because the seed treatments are really um, kind of an insurance policy anyway against conditions like we had this year. So this is this was a good year for testing those. Um, a second thing was the weed situation that we already talked about also. So, you know, we saw what can happen if we don't get a good 
pre-plant down. If we don't control the weeds early, we, we can all drive down the road and see plenty of fields that have quite a bit of water hemp out there and other weeds. And so I think that's another thing that we learned is that, uh, you know, our herbicide plan is important. For sure. I think those are some great takeaways from this really unusual year that we've had. The 2019 crop is still in the field. We're not done yet with the season, but as we start to look ahead to more optimistic times in the 2020 season, um, what are some agronomic tools that uh, we saw this year a little bit in the field, but we should really pay attention to next year? Um, So there's a couple things there. Uh, The soybean trait market is obviously becoming more and more crowded with a lot of options out there for growers. Um, and so they have to look at these herbicide trait platforms and decide what works best for their operation. Um, when, when we're doing that, I would caution growers a little bit to not forget about genetics and not forget about yield. Um, you know, the, the herbicide platform is important. There, there are obviously factors that come into play there. But, you know, choose a platform that's built on strong genetics and choose uh, your varieties based on strong genetics and strong performance and and don't give up you know you don't want to give up a whole bunch of yield uh, on a trait platform um, another thing that's not new but are, are kind of picking up steam that um, you know I, a lot of growers might be something to take a look at if they're not already doing this which i i think um, probably a lot of growers that that might be consuming things from the Soy Advisor website or probably a little bit more progressive in a lot of cases, but um, the digital tools that we have. So um, for instance, we run all of our trials here at our site and at our, we have multiple sites actually, but we run all of our trials through uh, Climate Field View and there's, there's other options out there obviously. But the great thing about these tools is that they'll allow growers to do their own on-farm research um, in a really efficient way. So all these questions that a grower may have, uh, some of them they can answer on their own farm by utilizing and take advantage of these digital tools. Excellent, for sure. You mentioned Ilsoy Advisor there for a second, and you're actually one of our 2019 CCA Soy Envoys. So what advice do you have um, and why should a farmer partner with an Illinois CCA? So that's a good question. Um, you know, if they, the, the CCA certification um, has some meaning behind it and it's not just a rubber stamp. So you can be, a, a grower can basically be assured that they're getting someone that has a good broad cross section of cross crop knowledge combined with experience. So the exam is not just a simple exam that, you know, people come in and take it and everybody walks out with a 99%. Only about 60% of the, the people that take the exam actually pass it. So um, it's fairly selective. And so when you combine that with the experience that's required, uh, the, you can really pick up some good advice for the growers. And, you know, some of the things the CCAs can help the growers understand is, you know, there can always be a tendency to just kind of minimize costs wherever possible, but hopefully a good CCA can help you to understand the return on investment. So, you know, the the cheapest uh, input or the cheapest option is not always the most profitable one. And, and growers, growers know and understand that, but 
um, it doesn't hurt to get some advice or a second opinion from time to time. I think that's great. It's just another person to be in your corner and help you make those hard decisions. Exactly. Great. So as we continue to look ahead to 2020, um, what are three questions that uh, growers should ask of their soybean input supplier based off the season that we saw here in 2019? Yeah. So as growers are more and more interested in managing the bean crop for more proactively rather than just throwing the beans out there and, and coming through with the combine at harvest, which was kind of the strategy maybe 10 years ago. But as growers move more and more to a higher management system for their beans, um, they really want to ask questions to their suppliers about agronomics um, for the varieties. So, for example, you know, really want to understand the field resist, the field tolerance or resistance for Phytophthora or other diseases and make sure that um, they're able to help you place those on the farm in the optimal place to, uh, you know, maintain your, your high yield. Um, another question that growers should be asking their suppliers is regarding seed treatments. So um, I kind of mentioned that before, but all seed treatments are not created equal. And we can't expect a seed treatment to do something that it's not able to do. So, um, for instance, Olivo is a is a great uh, tool for helping with prevention of of SDS and and S soybean cyst nematode damage. Um, but there are a lot of seed treatments that don't offer that protection. So if we put out a seed treatment that doesn't offer that protection, and we end up with SDS later in the year, um, you know, we really can only thank ourselves for that because we have, we, we really, it's important to ask the suppliers what the treatments are and what benefits they bring. Um, another question again, and this is regarding choosing soybean varieties would be to look at the relative standability of the bean varieties. So, um, you know, in a lot of situations, when we can get quite a bit of lodging, you're probably going to want to try to find some varieties that are not as prone to that so that we have a better ability at harvest to pick up all those beans and, and uh, harvest the maximum yield out of that field. Excellent. Any last thoughts before we let you go here today, Jason? Um, one other piece of advice I would have for growers is to consider spreading spreading out your uh, maturity range on your bean varieties. Don't just pick one and plant it on the whole farm. It, it's probably good to go, for instance, if you're in a in a you know early three area to to pick up a late two, um, an early three, and then a and then a later three RM variety. That will allow us to have a little bit of insurance against some of the things like we had this year, where we had such a wide range of weather conditions. Um, you know, we had a hot, dry period there in the middle of the summer, and the beans were at different growth stages, obviously. And so um, depending on where they were in their growth stage, they were impacted more or less by that summer heat. So um, by spreading out the maturity range just a little bit, we can spread our risk a little bit from an event like that coming at just the wrong time to impact our entire operation. 
was a great last thought there, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. Yeah, it was good to talk to you. Again, that was Jason Carr, 2019 CCA Soy Envoy and host of the podcast Focus on Agriculture, sharing his thoughts on how decisions made at planting have affected the 2019 soybean crop and what we can look for in 2020. If you're interested in this topic and any other soybean management resources, you can visit www.illsoyadvisor.com. That's ilsoyadvisor.com to learn more. This has been an Ilsoy Advisor podcast. Thanks for tuning in.